celebrity Let your weary mind be free There's someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, as you know, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime at least, we don't want them to bring their A-game, but rather their Z-game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Jason Pargin. He's going to talk with me about caring for a rabbit. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another program here on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I want to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network, where we have the maximum amount of fun permissible. The Flop House is a podcast about bad movies, but it's really a podcast about three friends making each other laugh and deliberately getting on each other's nerves. For over 13 years, it's been hosted by former Daily Show writer Dan McCoy, former Daily Show and Mystery Science Theater writer Elliot Kalin, and Brooklyn bar owner Stuart Wellington, who the Onion AV Club has described as equally funny. An average Flophouse episode may include any or all of the following. Off-key, ad-libbed songs. Tom Brokaw describing the plot of the novel Dune. Werner Herzog announcing he's a bad little boy who loves chocolates. Recommendations of good movies. And a certain amount of talking about butts that may make you a little uncomfortable, but not so much that it makes you very uncomfortable. The Flophouse on Maximum Fun, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, for our guest. Jason Pargin is a New York Times best-selling author. While that is an impressive achievement in and of itself, if there were a special literary award honoring memorable titles in fiction, Jason would surely receive a lifetime achievement recognition from that award. Titles of his books include John Dies at the End and What the Hell Did I Just Read and Zoe Punches the Future in the Dick and his latest novel, Zoe is Too Drunk for This Dystopia. Jason was also the editor of the humor website Cracked.com for many years and today I'm delighted to welcome him to Sleeping with Celebrities. Hello, Jason. 
do want to let the readers know uh, at the time we're recording this, we are having some strange weather patterns. Uh, there's a major cold front moving in across America. The reason that's relevant to this recording. If partway through this podcast about the care of a pet bunny rabbit, you should hear my house being torn apart by 80 mile an hour winds. Do not be alarmed. We will continue recording up until we cannot any longer, either due to the power lines having been taken down or me being crushed by this structure. Do not let this keep you up. It is fine. Know that you are safe, even if me and everyone I care about has likely died. Have you been able to sleep through major weather events in the past? I don't sleep well regardless. I'm a light sleeper, so if anything occurs, I'm probably going to wake up for it. But I, there's a difference between waking up and actually caring about it. So, uh, for example, it appears that sometime last night there was a car accident on my front lawn. There's There are pieces of a car out there. I maybe woke up to some noise. If I did, I decided it was not worthy of my attention. <laughs> What car parts are in your front lawn? It's the bits of the under part of a car, like if it gets scraped off. Uh, and so there's just big hunks of plastic that I guess are my responsibility to go clean up. But somebody ran off the road, possibly while drunk, and left big divots where their tires briefly were digging into the yard. I hope they are all right. Uh, but they did not stick around and apparently did not call anyone. So they are, they are on their own adventure. Do you need a new mailbox or was your mailbox okay? They missed the mailbox. It appears from the location of the tires by inches. Hmm. Uh, and I think that if you're out there somehow listening to this, thank you for steering around my mailbox while you were having your, your crisis. You say that you're a light sleeper. What is the best night of sleep you've ever had? Oh, it would have to be some night after I've done a day of hard labor, because in my normal life, that is not common for me. But, for example, I renovated a home years ago. We bought a very cheap house that had been thoroughly destroyed by the various people that had lived in it uh, in a somewhat small town. It's been about five years fixing it up, and I know that after days of doing drywall work, for example, I slept very well to the point that I did not necessarily remember going to bed. I just woke up like I my body had given out. Hmm. Well, Jason, let's talk about bunny rabbits. Are you currently the owner of a bunny rabbit? Not at the time. Not currently, no. We had one about a decade ago. His name was Rico. Um, but he passed away. He was about four years old when he passed, which is not terribly unusual for rabbits. Um, they do live longer in captivity than they do in the wild. Hmm. But I think a rabbit living to be like eight years or so, I think would be very old. They, they don't live very long. Right. What was it about the, the care and support of a pet bunny rabbit that, uh, that has stayed with you the most? Why is this a topic that you chose to speak about today? So especially these days with TikTok and social media, there is a big thing with people wanting to have unusual pets or what people refer to as exotic pets. Sure. And an exotic pet is not an alligator. 
it is anything like a bunny rabbit or a lizard or a raccoon or a squirrel. Lots of people do not understand that even though these creatures are adorable, they are at times affectionate, they are not domesticated. Dogs and cats needed tens of thousands of years to get to where they are now, of, of being domesticated as pets to get to where they are the way they are, where they seamlessly fit into a household after brief training or whatever. Bunny rabbits, raccoons, squirrels are not like that. They can be very good and very rewarding pets. They are difficult pets. They are fragile. They require 10 times the care and attention of a cat or a dog. So I, ever since having this, this bunny, because we did months of research before getting one, I try to spread the word about that because, for example, every year around Easter, there are people who buy bunny rabbits as pets for their kids with no understanding of that these are not domesticated pets. You're bringing a wild animal into your house. And again, it can be a pet. You have to meet it halfway and you have to educate yourself on how to care for it. And if you do that, it can be very rewarding. Lots of people do not want to do that, and lots of these animals wind up getting abandoned. Knowing all this about rabbits before you adopted Rico, why did you adopt Rico? Um, at the time, it was my wife was allergic to cats, and for whatever reason, rabbits are non-allergenic for people that have those type of allergies. So in behavior, they're similar to cats. They stay indoors. Um and we we had had dogs, but it was something different. And that you know, just after looking into it for a while, we decided to to get one. But it, it was most mostly, I think, because we really couldn't have a cat. It was like a an equivalent cat. Right. What is the first thing one needs to know about the care and support of a pet bunny rabbit? So. First of all, if you ask any toddler to draw a picture of a bunny rabbit eating, what will that rabbit be eating and they're drawing? That would be a carrot. That would be a carrot. Rabbits cannot eat carrots in real life. Uh, They have too much sugar content. They have too much water content. Rabbits in the popular culture are thought of as carrot eaters because Bugs Bunny ate, ate carrots. Mm. Bugs Bunny ate carrots because that was a meme referencing a 1934 movie. It happened one night starring Clark Gable. And in that movie, which was a monster hit at the time and swept the Oscars, there's a famous scene where he and his female co-star are talking and he's doing this. He plays kind of a rogue. He's kind of a you know quick-witted, you know, and he is giving this spiel to this woman about the art of hitchhiking. And he is munching on a carrot while he does it. And that scene, the film came out in 1934. And that scene was so memorable and so popular that people would go around imitating it. Like if you munched on a carrot while talking, everybody knew you were doing Clark Gable. Same as when Borat came around. You had a lot of college dudes going, my wife in Borat's voice, and everybody knew they were doing Borat. You didn't have to explain it. It was a meme. 
So when they came up with the character of Bugs Bunny, who was a fast-talking rogue, just like Clark Gable, they had initially a scene where he was munching on a carrot while doing his spiel, but that was not a reference to rabbits eat carrots. That was a reference to Clark Gable eating a carrot. But somehow that became Bugs Bunny's thing. So now he's constantly eating carrots long after people have forgotten the film. It happened one night. And now it is to this day ingrained in the popular culture. If you go on Google and do a Google image search for bunny clip art or cartoon bunny, it will be eating a carrot. If you buy a stuffed bunny, there's a good chance that it will have a little stuffed carrot that it is eating. And so the first thing people think when they see a rabbit is, oh, feed it a carrot. Sure. And they can get sick and die from eating too many carrots. That is the first lesson, is that you don't know anything about bunnies. You don't know anything about what they eat, what they need. They are fragile creatures. Mm. Bunnies live life on fast forward. If you hold one, it vibrates like its heart and its breathing. It, they go fast. Like they move fast. They run fast. They, their metabolism goes incredibly fast. They eat an enormous amount of food for their size. So if you, if there's something wrong with it, it can get sick very fast. So this is, you are taking on a challenge, which again, can be extremely rewarding. I don't regret having Rico at all. But before someone gets one, I would not try to scare them away from it, but have them understand it's not a cat, it's not a dog, it's something. It's not something you can leave to its own devices. You have to constantly attend to it. Hmm. So what should a rabbit be eating if not carrots? Uh, overwhelmingly, most of their food is hay. If you go to any pet store, they have big bales of it, and you will be shocked at how much they eat. They will just sit there and you will have their little cage and you will line the bed with hay and give them a little bowl of hay. And the hay is their food, their bed, and their toilet. So mm. Rico would sit there on the hay, peeing and pooping on the hay while eating the hay. Just the same pile of hay. He's just, just it's like a cycle running in real time. Um, then they also have special pellets they make that have some that meet some of their dietary needs. They have a lot of fiber, so you give them a little bowl of the pellets. And then a couple of times a day, you feed them fresh greens. Uh, it's usually something like kale, uh, green leaf lettuce. I think iceberg lettuce tends to have too much water content for them. And if all of that sounds like a lot of food for a little bunny that can fit in your hands, it is. It is shocking to watch them eat. They just feed, I said, feeding them a leaf of lettuce, it looks like feeding a dollar bill into a vending machine. Like it just goes, and they, you can watch videos of this. They just eat and eat and eat constantly because they are just, they're, they're just little machines that are living there with the pedal to the floor all the time. Does it ever seem when you're, when you have a bunny rabbit, that really what you have is a machine that creates poop out of the food that you feed into it, and it's just a poop conversion more than it is a living thing? Uh, yes, that's. but you kind of understand that all living things are that when you see it running at that speed. Um, but they, are, oddly enough, they are built similar to horses. If you've ever watched a horse poop, a horse does not stop and squat to poop. That would actually be extremely weird to see that. Yeah. They're just walking along and poop just falls out and they don't even notice it. 
That's how bunnies poop. They'll just be walking along and suddenly some poop falls out. And it's not like a special event because they are prey animals. And like horses are very, at any given moment, they need to be able to take off like a shot from whatever is hunting them. They startle very easily. And so stopping, having a pooping process that requires them to stop and make a big event out of it would be a disadvantage. So instead it just drops out while they're running around and it just kind of, they, you can house train them to a degree. They will have a spot in their cage where they, were, where they will prefer to poop because they like to kind of keep it all in one spot just for practical reasons, but they can't control it. It kind of just falls out. Well, I was going to ask about the uh, the enclosure because I I think I have friends who have a rabbit who kind of roams free in the house, but I also know that they need hutches or cages sometimes. So where does the rabbit, where does the pet bunny rabbit live? This is the second thing that any person needs to know before getting a rabbit and that any child needs to know. Bunnies are extremely nervous. They are mistrusting. They are oddly very angry creatures at times. So you will have an enclosure for it. I think they call it, there's some, I think a hutch is when it's up on legs or whatever, but ours, we had a, like a cage and it will, for the first few months, not come out. They're again, they're very nervous. They're very happy to have an enclosed space. In fact, the more enclosed, the better. Um, and part of what is frustrating for some rabbit owners is some rabbits never warm up to, for example, being picked up or held or cuddled. Some do, ours did, but it took him months to come around. They are not trusting creatures because they are prey animals. That's They have eyes on the side of their head. like That's, that's prey vision. They're looking for, for threats. So it is extremely rewarding when months in or a year in, he will get to where he will come out. Like by the end, Rico would just come out and just flop down in the middle of the floor. You would trip over him. Like he would just not, not care because he got to where he was so comfortable, so at ease, and so you know understood that he was safe and we had made him feel safe. Um, but for example, I, I bought him a long uh, cardboard box. We had like a fan that came in, but it was very narrow and very long. And he loved that box because it's like a tunnel. So he'd come out of his cage and he'd go crawl in that box and then he would chew on it because they do need things to chew on. They like to chew. Um, if you don't want them chewing on power cords, things like that, you need to give them something. So he would go to the other end of the box and try to like chew a little exit for himself and it gave him a, a little project. But he liked to be in there enclosed. That's where he was the most was the most comfortable. But some bunnies, they they never come out of their, you know, hardly ever come out of their their cages. They don't they they don't like it. Hmm. You mentioned having a little project. Is it like with zoo animals where you need to provide them enrichment activities or else they, their lives will be too tedious? Sleepyheads, it is time to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating is a show hosted by Alex Schmidt and Katie Golden about seemingly ordinary stuff that is actually, yes, incredibly fascinating. Using tons of research, they take a joyful look at history and science and stories about the ordinary stuff in your life, 
Are you ready to get psyched about the imperial system of weights and measurements? Or pigeons? Or perhaps paper clips? I know I want to be excited by these things. You can hear it in my voice. And that's why I'm going to check out Secretly Incredibly Fascinating here on Maximum Fun or wherever you're listening to me now. You mentioned having a little project. Is it like with zoo animals where you need to provide them enrichment activities or else they, their lives will be too tedious? Sure, and mostly chewing things. You know, in his cage, he would like to rearrange the hay, kick it to one side, um, was very particular about how things were arranged in there. Uh, but it's funny because a lot of the playing people talk about when they'll do videos on TikTok or whatever, they're like, oh, he's playing, we got him this toy. It's usually making the bunny extremely angry, which is very funny. So for example, we uh, threw like a, we had like a paper plate we threw into his cage. Uh, to give them something to mess with because that's what they, they like to do. They like to chew on stuff, tear it apart, kind of. Um, they like to shred things. But this paper plate was very much in his way. And so you would watch him pick it up with his teeth and try to throw it out of the cage, but the door was too small. And so he would have to chew off little strips of it and chuck it out the doorway. And the little guy was just furious the whole time because it, it, he wanted his, he did, he wanted this thing out of his way. And so a third-party observer or a visitor to the home would have said, oh, he loves playing with that, that plate. And it's like, no, he's, he's, an, he's angrier than anyone has ever been. He's trying to get this thing out of his house because it's in his way. So I think a lot of the toys they make for rabbits where it's like a little wooden block and you put it on his cage and they'll, they'll enjoy chewing on it or manipulating it. If you watch them, usually they're trying to get rid of it. Uh, but it gave him something to do. It gave him that, that which is uh, the important thing. Because again, if not, he will go hunting around for something to to chew on. And they they like wires. Wires, I guess, from an evolutionary perspective, they look like roots, like little plant roots, but something they would chew on in the wild. So you have to protect all of the wires. Anything you have plugged in, you got a little space here plugged in. No, you cannot leave that unattended around a rabbit. He will try to chew that and electrocute himself. So even like lamp cords, because a, a regular home has a lot of cords that, that stay plugged in. Yes, we had to go around the whole house and you buy this shielding that we found uh, that's just protective for to, to like hide cords or whatever to give them something more difficult to chew on. And this shielding, what was special about it is if he chewed on it, it was very loud. So we could hear him if we were even if we were upstairs, like, oh, he's down there chewing on it cable trying to electrocute himself and you would run down there and, and convince him to, to stop. Mm. Do rabbits get along well with cats or dogs in a home? Well, that was part of our issue because we owned a dog. We owned a very gentle golden retriever. And that was part of another reason of not getting the cat because we didn't know how the dog would react to the cat. But it was our understanding that for the most part, depending on the breed, that they don't, the dog and the, the rabbits don't acknowledge each other. And it's very interesting to watch this. And, and again, I, please, 
consult an expert if you have an existing dog and you want to bring a rabbit into the home. I do not doubt some dogs would have an instinct to hunt the rabbit, but ours did not. They would sleep on the same bed together. Again, once Rika became comfortable in the home, the golden retriever would curl up and then the bunny would just flop down next to it. But they didn't like sniff each other or acknowledge each other. I saw the bunny walk on the dog, like hop on top of the, on top of her, not realizing that it's like the the bunny just like he thought the dog was just part of the landscape. Uh, so for whatever reason, they didn't. I don't know. They 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 don't smell like anything to each other. So it's not that they got along or didn't get along. They kind of just didn't. They they each thought the other one was an inanimate object. Um, but that worked out j- just fine. That's that's what we wanted. And as far as you know, do cats get along with rabbits? I don't know. And again, it may come down to the individual cat, but this is something to always... Like, we were very careful about introducing the bunny and the dog together, monitoring them when they were together. Like, this is something we, we definitely watched because we, you know, we weren't sure, but it turned out fine. But it's going to be, you know, your individual circumstances because... Even if you have a case where you have a dog that you do not believe will hunt the rabbit, if the rabbit is just made nervous around the dog, you know, with any animal, anxiety can make them sick. It's not just a mood thing. It, it affects their their bodies. So it, if you have an animal that will frighten the rabbit, then you, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. What were some of the other challenges that you faced with Rico? Um... He is was very particular about anything you fed him. For example, we would buy you know you know like a head of lettuce, like I said, or buy some kale from from the fancy grocery store. Uh, and if it wilted, if it got to be too old, if it didn't smell right, he would not just refuse to eat it. He would pick up his little food bowl with his tiny little teeth and kind of fling it across his cage in a state of, of rage. Uh, or he would, he would dump the bowl over and try to cover the, the lettuce so that it, was, it would look like he didn't have any left. Uh, but he became extremely angry if it was not very, very fresh lettuce. Um, so you would have to shop very often. And sometimes, it, you know, what you bought, you would have to throw it away because he would just refuse to eat it and would get a very bad attitude about it. The other thing is uh, that because he, again, these are not domesticated, there's no such thing as far as I know as a rabbit that will respond to voice commands. Mm -hmm. You may find, somebody may call me a liar and say, well, I just watched a YouTube video where this guy's got a rabbit that he walks around in the neighborhood and it responds to commands. I do not doubt that somewhere that exists uh, just as somewhere there's a dog that can play the piano for the most part. When you need a rabbit to stop doing something, telling it to stop doing something will never mean anything to it. He is not, does not know his name is Rico the way that a dog will learn its name. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the things they said to do in order to dissuade him from doing things that could hurt himself, like chewing on, on power cords, is they said you can squirt him with a spray bottle, not in not in the face like with some dogs where they hate that, but you just kind of squirt him. You kind of spray him because rabbits don't like their fur to be wet ever. Mm-hmm. 
so you kind of like spray him with it and he will immediately have to stop and groom himself to dry they lick the the water off their fur so you get this ludicrous situation where the bunny is doing something that's going to hurt himself if he's not immediately stopped and so you're running up there with a spray bottle of water and you're like slowly moisturizing the rabbit with the water until he finally gets annoyed enough that his butt is wet that he will stop and have to dry off and he will forget about the power core he was trying to kill himself on just moments ago. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where all of every, all of the tools you think you have for trying to discipline an animal to try to, you know, encourage it to do this or that don't necessarily work. So they do, for example, make treats for bunnies. So you can use food as, as a reward to try to train them or motivate them. But again, they're not domesticated animals. Everything you think about with a dog that you can teach it very, very quickly over the course of weeks and months, where to use the bathroom, to sit and shake hands. And you think there are people that think that because this works with dogs and that with cats, you know, if you give them a litter box, they know how to use it. And that's just that behavior is programmed in. Boom. Now we're done. They think you could go out into the wild and do that with any animal. It's like, well, it's very simple. It's this food. It's a reward. You know, there you go. That's, and it's not true. It's, you can do it to an extent, but you get a very mild version of the lesson that, uh, other people get when they try to keep tigers, which is that, it, it, there, there are things you can do to modify their behavior. There are things you can do that make them easier to be kept in captivity, but you never fully domesticate them. It's not like that. You would have to have hundreds and hundreds of generations of domesticated tigers before you could have one that, that, behave, that responds the way a dog does. So then it sounds very difficult having a, a rabbit that is always about to hurt itself through electrical cords or accidental carrot consumption or too much water in its food, what are the rewards? Like, what's what's good about having a rabbit? First of all, if anyone is listening and you uh, have access to uh, a search engine, either on your phone or your PC, um, or if you're already in bed, you can do this tomorrow. Uh, just Google a picture of a rabbit. Ours was called a Holland Lop. Like, they have the lop-eared ears that flop down. Mm. Enrico, on the search results, Rico looks like, for me, it's like the third one from the top. Uh, they are just little adorable stuffed animals come to life. And everything they do is just joyful to look at because they'll stand up on his hind legs and kind of groom his face with his tiny little paws. He has little paws that are like half an inch long and they're just barely there. Uh, and it is remarkable to watch. When you have a creature that is this nervous when you first get him, and then six months later, he will get up and like lay on your chest while you're lying on the sofa, or will sit in your lap, or will let you hold him. Uh, it is extremely rewarding because you know you have made this creature feel safe, that all of its instincts are saying that it is constantly in danger and that everything around it is dangerous and predatory and that you have made it, you have let it know you are in a place of safety. You have let it know, you know, and that it has come to trust you. And just in general, 
you know, th there's something sacred about giving a creature a good life. And the more challenging it is to do that, to know that you did it successfully and that you have, you have, you know, you have met its needs and you figured out what it wants. It's extremely rewarding. It, it's, there's, um, there's not much else like it. And it's, it's just a little bit different from something that, uh, it, you know, like cats tend to kind of take care of themselves. That's, that's why the old thing about how there's a difference in personality between dog people and cat people. That's mm. actually true. It's not just a Zodiac thing. It's cats tend to keep to themselves. Dogs demand much more attention. They didn't have to be let out all the time. Your schedule with dogs is different. You know, cats have their, their own litter box. They tend to keep to themselves. Like the type of person that will care for a dog is not necessarily the same type of person who will care for a cat. And the type of person that will care for a bunny rabbit and can successfully do it is yet a different type of person. It requires a lot from you. Hmm. If you were to, and you're, you're a novelist, Jason, and you're used to speaking in the voice of the characters that you've created. If you were to speak in the voice of Rico from Bunny Heaven, looking back on the best parts of his life, what would he say? Uh, that is a great question because it's not clear how he regarded us. Hmm. Uh, he was very picky and very demanding about how he was to be cared for. And it was clear from his manner, the way he cared himself, that he thought of himself as a badass. <laughs> Bunnies are very fast. They're very agile. They're very strong for their size. And he... It, it, I kept characterizing him as being very angry. You have to understand, if you look at these pictures of these bunnies, and you imagine one with this tiny little frown on its face, and it's like here to to take command of this household and, and is demanding that we bring it better greens or whatever. I, I would almost think that he saw it as him having to slowly bring this environment in line, like slowly train us as to what type of space he needed and what type of, what type of food he wanted. And that finally he got it the way, you know, the way he wanted it. Um, but I hope, I don't know how animals feel love. Like with dogs, it's very easy to see cats. It's a little bit harder, but you know, there are people who have lizards and snakes and tarantulas and that they they know that those creatures don't express love in the same way that a person does or that a dog does or that you know, even a primate would but that it is expressed in some way that you can you know you can tell you can start to sense their moods you can start to sense when they are at ease or when they're anxious or or whatever and so you could definitely tell over time that he you know we moved into a different a home and an apartment that has second floor and that he, the first thing he did was jumped out and went racing up the stairs to go explore the second floor. Like that is remarkable for a rabbit. This is a strange environment, but it's like, Hey, these people brought me here. I trust them. Let's go see, let's go see what our new place looks like. And, and he was just immediately totally at ease. And that's in whatever sense rabbits feel love and security he had to he had to have, have felt it hmm. i guess it would be less rewarding and less soothing to have a tarantula crawl up onto your chest and fall asleep 
But spider people say otherwise. And you can go on TikTok right now and you can find spider people and they've got their adorable little spider and they've got a name for it. And they've got a little water dish in its little cage and it sticks its face in there and drinks water and uh, it falls asleep on the palm of their hand. And they they talk about their tarantula the same way I would talk about the rabbit or people that cat people talk about their cats. This is one thing that's remarkable about humans. I don't know that we see this in any other species where... We will adopt other animals as our own, as our own children, and then and then feel those same, you know, the the protectiveness and and all of that, and the desire to to give them good lives. Like I'm going to give this spider a good life. Yeah, I think I think Rico, were he to journal, would have probably journaled about the day that he got to go up on the second floor and explore. Yeah, and that this is something that rabbits don't. For example, our old floor, we had um, hardwood floors, and bunny rabbits, as it turns out, cannot get traction on hardwood floors because the bottoms of their feet are furry. They're not like they're not like dogs where they've got pads. It's fur all the way around. So if he got out onto the hardwood floor, he would start skidding out, and that would freak him out because speed is his thing. That's what keeps him alive. Right. So we we had rugs everywhere because to him, the floor is lava. So he would get onto the rug. And then if there was like a two foot gap before the next rug, he would like crash down and hop onto it to get over the floor because he didn't like that slippery floor. So venturing out and exploring new spaces and new and new traction or new types of carpet, things like that. That's a huge deal for a rabbit. That That's, you know. That's not something that they do normally. They're not, you know, in the wild, they may venture out to find, you know, new grass to eat or whatever, but their instinct is to, you know, get into a hole and to stay there. And then they come out and get what they needed and then they, they go back into the hole. So I think for him to feel that free to go up and see, oh, this place has got a second floor. He would never seen stairs before in his entire life, but he just went hopping right up the stairs uh, yeah, that I think to get him to that place where he felt good doing that on the very first day, yeah, that had to have been had to have been something because exploring to a human feels unique to the point that we will go climb mountains that are deadly just to do it. Uh, it must feel incredible to a rabbit that that you know almost never gets to to experience it. Had you thought about getting another rabbit after Rico? Um. No, because we got a different dog and it wasn't clear how this one would respond. It, it was a little bit more, I don't know, protective or, or whatever. And it, it, But also, Rico at the end was kind of, of heartbreaking. And this is the other part that I don't know if this is, will keep people up at night. But I mentioned earlier, right at the top, the bunnies live their life in fast forward. Everything about them goes fast. They eat, they eat fast, their heart beats fast, they breathe fast, they run fast. If you've never seen a rabbit go at full speed, you can't perceive the movement. There was, when he goes to sleep, he sleeps fast. He will flop over on its side. And again, this is a case where you can go look up videos of bunny rabbits going to sleep. They will, because of the way they're shaped, to get onto their side, they have to kind of like jump up in the air, turn in the air, and then land on their side and plop down. And then they instantly go to sleep. Like, like it's an intentional thing. It's not like a human where you toss and turn. It's like, boom, out. There was one time 
where I was sitting on the sofa and tying my shoes. And when you put your feet down, Rico would sometimes come up and headbutt your foot, probably mm-hmm. in a state of rage. It was a thing that all bunnies do. They headbutt you. So he was headbutting my foot and I was tying my shoe. And then I reached down and I felt him and I reached down to pet him and I just felt air. There was no bunny there and then looked up and then he was in the corner asleep because in the time it took me to reach my hand down, he zipped away, flopped over and fell asleep. That's how quickly he, he lived his life. Hmm. So if you have a dog or a cat, if they don't eat one evening, you put their food down, they don't eat it. It's not a big deal. I mean, dogs, you ask a vet, you tell the vet, like my dog didn't eat today. Be like, well, if he doesn't eat for a week, get back to me because that's, you know, it may have had upset stomach or just not felt like not been hungry, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Hmm. If a bunny rabbit doesn't eat in a day, you have to rush him to a vet, like an overnight animal hospital. Like if it's three in the morning, you know, he's not, he's not been eating. You don't wait because there's a real good chance he will not still be alive that next morning. Hmm. When a bunny gets something like an infection, it races through the system in hours, not days, hours. So for example, we noticed one day Rico didn't eat one day. And it's like, well, lunchtime, maybe he didn't like his greens, whatever. Okay. So we went out, bought him different greens. He liked, for example, the top parts of a carrot, not the other part. He liked the the green part. So you give him that in the evening. If he doesn't eat, then you take him to the vet. And then he had some issue with his digestion. They gave us some special food, some special like stuff to kind of get it going again. It it was some sort of just a, a stomach infection and he was gone within a couple of days It happened immediately. And that is the way it does happen. Uh, because if you're not super attentive, it's easy to not even notice that there were symptoms, but because, but the speed at which they live their lives, that's the equivalent of like being, having an infection for a day is the equivalent of a human having an infection for a month on that you've neglected. Right. Um, so the, and this is something the bunny rabbit owners know, if you see them behaving in a strange way, they're lethargic or whatever. It's an emergency. It's instantly an emergency. Mm. And with him, it was, it's like, you'd think, you know, hey, we, we're going to get, if our animal gets sick, we always get it care. We will, you know, spare no expense, whatever. You know, this is our responsibility. It was our job to keep him alive. So whatever he needs, it didn't matter. It wasn't a thing where they came back and said, well, he needs a surgery. Do you want to, you know, do you want to pay for it or whatever? It, that, that never even, it never got to that point. He was just, he was just gone. Um, and that is the other part that all of this stuff I've said about what they eat, what they drink, how they live their lives, you know, not stressing them out. It's not just about making them comfortable. They are fragile creatures. They, they, they just are the way horses are fragile. If you've ever read the story of any film shoot or TV show that had to use a lot of horses in the shoot. Get ready for some tragedy if you read that Wikipedia page because they all have lost horses because the horse got startled once 
and then ran away or it stepped in a hole and broke its leg. And as you know, famously with horses, like they are beautiful, incredibly fragile creatures, easy to startle, easy to get to, for, to make them sick. And then if you make them sick or they get startled, it's very easy for them to die and very hard to save them if they, if they get sick. Um, so that's the other thing. Cause it teaches you something about, I don't, I don't want to get too poetic about it, you know, but about the fragility of life or whatever, but it is something that I feel like around America or around the world, there are little kids who got a bunny for Easter and then by the 4th of July, it was gone because they fed it the wrong thing once mm. and I have the wrong thing. I'm not talking about, they fed it a burrito from Chipotle I mean, they fed it some fruit and too much because again, bunnies will love it. It's sugar. Like they'll love it. You feed a bunny a whole bunch of fruit throughout the day. You can get sick and die and it will die just like that. Hmm. And I suppose I think people who own uh, exotic fish will say the exact same thing. They have the exact same tale where somebody saw the movie Finding Nemo. And so they wanted one of those little blue fish like Dory. And then they realized, oh, this is an exotic fish. That if you put it in the tank with certain other fish, it will eat those fish. And if the water is the wrong temperature by two degrees, it will die. And on and on and on and on. It's the same thing. People who are super into fish, well, it's the exact same deal. They lose fish all the time. They are incredibly fragile. And there is, they still are into keeping fish. Because it is, that is part of what's rewarding about it. Is meeting that challenge and saying, no, I'm going to. I'm going to give these fish a good life, even though that's, you know, they, they are trying to die every hour of every day. Well, Jason Pargin, thank you so much for sleeping with us. I very much enjoyed hearing about Rico and bunny rabbit care in general. And good night. Thank you very much. If anyone is still not able to get to sleep and wants to watch several hundred TikTok videos of mine, I am Jason K. Pargin on TikTok, and on every other social media platform that exists. Good night. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about bunny care as much as I did. You know, one thing I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned and if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Jason Pargin right now while it's fresh in my mind. One, contrary to popular belief and depictions, rabbits should not eat carrots. Two, rabbits can be finicky eaters, so spare them your wilted lettuce. Three, Bunnies do not follow the adage, don't poop where you sleep, because they poop and eat where they sleep. Hashtag hey. Four, rabbits are nervous, often angry creatures, which is understandable. If you had to worry about being eaten every time you stepped outside, you'd be nervous too and a little bit angry. Five, 
Rico would never be a good Frisbee player. And six, if you decide to get a rabbit, be prepared to hide or guard all of your electrical cords. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Jason Pargin. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter at Sleep With Celebs. On Instagram, the handle is at Sleep W Celebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Music provided by the Winterbowers. This program was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. And it is a production of Maximum Fun and Papuchik. I'm John Moe. Night night. Maximum Fun. A worker owned network of artist owned shows. Supported directly by you.